Hey everyone, welcome back to the Monclova Baptist Church podcast. We're thankful that you joined us today. Hey, if you would do us a favor at the end of this episode, make sure that you follow us on our social, Instagram and Facebook, and subscribe to our YouTube channel and hit that bell button so that you get notified every time that we post new content. If you also want to stay connected with us beyond Sunday morning, make sure that you download the MRBC app on the Google Play Store or the App Store. Now let's dive in. All right, thank you. Thank you so much. And thank you for your prayers on Wednesday night. Um, uh, Lily, or Chloe, one of the girls, uh, was sick and um, they had to take her to the hospital. So I appreciate those that prayed uh, for her here at church and then um, those that were ministering to her. So thank you for that. All right, Revelation chapter number four, Revelation four. We're going to continue our series in the book of Revelation today. Tomorrow is uh, Oscar and Zeta's anniversary as well. 47 years they've been married. And uh, isn't that wonderful? And uh, also Brian and um, Lori Mitchell, they've been married 33 years this, this weekend, Friday. So a lot of fun anniversaries uh, this weekend. So. All right, uh, Revelation chapter number four. And uh, we're going to continue our study chapter number four. Remember, as we're studying the book of Revelation, we're studying it in three parts. And it's right from what uh, the Lord Jesus told John as John was penning these, down, th- these things down. What was, what is, and what is to come is the three things that Jesus told John. And that's how we're looking at the book of Revelation. What was and what has always been is the Lord Jesus Christ. What is is the church age, and we see that in chapters number two and chapter number three. And then chapter number four is what is to come. And uh, we're gonna spend the majority of our time in this book in uh, Revelation chapter four on in the area of what is to come, the, the prophecy, the Bible prophecy of what's going to take place And most of these things that we're going to study are things that we're not going to physically see here upon this earth as they're taking place. There's a good period of time, and uh, that is going to be what happens during that seven-year tribulation. But we're going to study those things. And you say, why are we going to study those things if we're not going to be here? Because the Lord said that blessed is he that reads it, understands it, and obeys it. And so I'm not sure why the Lord wanted us to understand something that's not going to be, uh, we're not going to be here for, but he does. And so that's why we're going to study through uh, these books here as we we, uh, uh, study through the middle of the book of Revelation. And uh, this is entering, chapter number four is entering that third division, that third division, what is to come. Now, as we look at the book of Revelation, there's a lot of things that we're going to see and study. And there's a, there's a question, there's a, there's a great question, and, and uh, it, it, it's one that we'll, we'll look at here today. And uh, there, there's, you'll hear some things, uh, something like um, a pre-trib rapture or mid-trib rapture, post-trib rapture. Now, the truth of the matter is this. Uh, wherever you believe, whatever you believe, it doesn't change your salvation. It, 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 it's not going to um, uh, affect the fact that God knows what the truth is and his timing is going to be great. 
Now, we're going to teach today from a pre-trib rapture, and that personally is what I believe. That is the, the stance that the church here has always believed and will continue to believe, and we're going to see that here today. But um, if, you, if you take another, another uh, uh, belief or understanding of that, that's okay. Um, but uh, we're going to show you here why we believe that and, and uh, what, wh- why we not only believe it, but, but what, the, what the benefit is. Someone said to me this. They said, I'm not sure what it is, but I'm just going to believe it's pre-trib because I don't want to be here during the tribulation. And I said, well, that's a great way to look at it. But just because you want it that way doesn't mean it. We, we go by the word of God. And um, so as we're looking at the book of Revelation, I believe the book of Revelation helps us to understand a pre-trib uh, rapture, meaning we're, we, are, uh, we are raptured out as the body of Christ before the tribulation, uh, seven-year tribulation begins. We believe that partly, partly, not all of it, but just partly is because of how the book of Revelation is laid out. The book of Revelation is laid out in chapter number one. All it is is telling us who Jesus Christ is. It's revealing Jesus Christ. Chapter number two and three is revealing that second phase, which is the church age. It's the age of the church. He talks to the seven churches. The seven candlesticks are the seven churches. We're the light of the world, and, and we're to take the gospel to all of the world. And we're, he's speaking specifically to the seven churches. Those were seven literal churches, but also they rep- represent all the churches during the church age. So for the last 2,000 or so years, we have been living in the church age where we have been commanded to take the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's why we support missionaries like the Drust family and the Heidinger family and all of our families that we support through our missions giving. Why do we do that? Because we're living in an age where all of the world, I saw one of the verses he had up there uh, out of the book of Matthew, and uh, all the world needs to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ in every generation, in every generation. It is our responsibility to get the gospel of Jesus Christ to all 7 billion or so people living on planet earth today. That's what the church is supposed to do. And the church at Philadelphia was a church that the Lord said, you did wonderful. You, it was a one of the seven churches, the only one of the seven churches, where they actually got a good report from the Lord Jesus Christ. And he said this, you went through the open doors. The Lord is opening doors, and you walk through those doors. Something, I'm not sure if I said it last week, but in my study, I, I noticed it, and I saw it, and it really convicted me. And that, that is this, when he said of the church of Philadelphia that you went through the open doors, he also said this, that you recognized that it, you could not do it in your own strength. And that's something that was kind of uh, quickly said, but it's something that the Lord just really uh, got a hold of my heart on, and is this, that church in Philadelphia did a wonderful job. They, they went through every open door the Lord had for them, but they recognized that they could not do it in their own strength. They had to do it in the strength of the Lord Jesus Christ. So what made the church of Philadelphia such a wonderful church is that they took every opportunity to go through every door. When God opens the door, we ought to do everything we can to run through that door and be pleasing and get the gospel of Jesus Christ to everyone we possibly can. But the second thing that I noticed is why that church was such a wonderful church is they recognized they could not go through those doors in their own strength. They don't do it in their own power. They could only do it with the strength and the power of the Lord Jesus Christ. 
And church, that is something that we can never forget. We must always rely upon the Lord Jesus Christ. We must recognize the doors that he has opened, and we also must recognize that we will not accomplish anything for the gospel's sake unless we do it in the power of the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's what the church of Philadelphia understood. This church in Philadelphia did not get recognition and get praise for their, own, for their own doing. They gave everything over the Lord Jesus Christ. And I pray that would be the representation of Monclova Road Baptist Church. And then we come into chapter number four. So the church age is done. After chapters two and three is finished, we come into what Jesus says what is going to come or what will be. In chapter number four, on through, what we don't hear mentioned again is the church. And why we believe we don't mention the church is because the church is raptured out of this earth. Because from chapter number four, and we'll see it here in the beginning of chapter number four, and then we start the John is called up into heaven. And once he's called up into heaven, we start to see the seals opened and the the tribulation here upon this earth takes place. So there are some questions that I've gotten this past week, and someone said this, well, do you, and they send me these news articles, and, and some of these news articles are wonderful. I, I think this, that they, they're just showing us that the Lord is, is soon to return. Uh, there's a peace agreement that's coming up, and it's interesting. It's, it's uh, uh, the UN and, and Saudi Arabia, if you've seen that on the news, they're, they're coming together uh, very soon here to establish a peace agreement for Israel and Palestine. What's very interesting with that peace agreement is that initially Palestine and Israel are not invited to the table. And so what's going to happen is this, someone's going to decide what the peace agreements are and they're going to have to fall in line. Those types of things, as we study those things and see, study the word of God and see those events starting to take place, it, it ought to excite us, not bring us to fear. Because these are the things that are going to transpire and going to happen. Now, is that, is that the thing that's going to, the, to bring uh, uh, the Lord's return? The reality is this, there's nothing that has to happen. The Lord Jesus Christ could come back today at this moment. There's no more prophecy. There's no event that has to happen on this earth that needs to happen in order for the, the Lord to come for his bride. Everything that needed to happen has happened. Jesus Christ it could return today. But as he is, his, his return, as we're waiting for his return, we're going to see things happening. Someone said this to me this past week. Uh, they sent me some information about the chips in the hands and the mark of the beast. And they, I'm not taking the mark. And I said, great. I said, but I'm not going to, I don't believe I'm going to even have to decide that because that's going to come after the church is gone. And so the Bible, you say, why do you say those things? Because the, the Bible is giving us this information so that we don't have to be fearful. As we study through the book of Revelation, as a child of God, this ought to excite you about what the Lord Jesus Christ is doing and is accomplishing, not bring you to a place of fear. As we see the end times approaching, we should not be alarmed and fearful. As a child of God, we ought to be saying, Lord Jesus, come quickly. This is exciting. We're coming to the day where we are going to be united with Jesus Christ. That's nothing that a child of God should fear 
or, or, or cause anxiety in their heart. And, and, and let this be true as well. If we do see persecution, if we do see uh, troubles here in our country and around our world, we still have the promise from Jesus Christ that he will never leave us nor forsake us. And so no matter what happens in our lives, we have Jesus Christ. And as the world is, is spiraling in the direction that it's spiraling out of control, we as Christians ought to live a peaceable life, ought to live a life of safety. We ought to live a life because Jesus Christ is our king. We are trusting in a God that has everything in his hands. We are trusting in our heavenly father who is in control of all things. And so wherever we're at in our life, whatever we're at in our study, realize this, that we don't get this information to cause us fear or panic. Next week, we all shouldn't be running to the hills and buying 25 years worth of you know, groceries that we can stick in some rock somewhere and feed us. God's in control. He's going to take care of his children. Okay? And so we need to be ready, but we don't need to be fearful. We are on a collision course with destiny, and you cannot afford to be ignorant, church, about the events that are going to take place. So let's begin reading chapter number four in verse number one. After this I looked, and behold, a, a door was opened in heaven. This is John. After what? After John sees the church age. After John sees for chapters two and three, Jesus Christ speaking to the church, telling the church, I've, I've got somewhat against you. You've lost your first love or, 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 or whatever it is that he's speaking to the churches. As we looked at last week, the church at Laodicea, you think you're rich, but you're not, or you think you've got your priorities on the wrong thing. And, and he comes down to this, and after he sees all these churches, the seven churches, and then the, the representation of these seven churches over the church age, then the Bible says this, immediately after this I looked, and behold, a door was open in heaven, and the first voice which I heard was as it were a trumpet, talking with me, which said, come up hither, come up hither. So here's John. I want you to think about this. John is experiencing the church age. And then as soon as that's done, he looks and there's a door to heaven that's open and a trumpet sounds and that voice that says, come up hither. And John is taken from this earth into heaven. And then from this point forward, everything that John sees, he's seeing it from a heavenly view. He's seeing what's taking place on heaven and uh, from heaven. And as he is seeing what's taking place from uh, heaven, he's seeing what's happening here on this earth. But he's seeing it as he's been taken up from heaven. That's interesting as we're studying. So, so as, as John is taken up out of this earth, now he's going to start to see the things, the events that are going to take place here upon this earth. But he's seeing them from heaven. And it says this, and I will show thee the things which must be here for, hereafter. And that is the third phase of the book of Revelation. So phase one is what is what has been, that's Jesus Christ. We see that in chapter one. What is the church age, chapter two and three. And then what is coming after that, hereafter, 
chapter number four through the end of the book of Revelation. And so John is seeing now the third part hereafter. And immediately I was in the spirit and behold, a throne was set up in heaven and one sat on that throne. And he that sat was, uh, what sat was to look upon like a jasper and a sardine stone. And there was a rainbow round about the throne in sight like an unto the emerald. And round about the throne were four and twenty seats. And upon the seats I saw four and twenty elders sitting clothed in white raiment, and they on their heads crowns of gold. Now, I'm not going to get through this entire chapter today. I'm going to take my time as we're studying through this. And one of the reasons I'm really going to take my time as we're studying through this is because I want to address some things that going to, that's going to help us as a church. I want you, to, I want you to, to grasp what's happening, and I want to look into... Uh, each of these events. And I believe this, chapter number four in verse number one, it tells us of this rapture of the church. And so the first thing that I want us to look at today is the mystery, this, this, this event called the rapture. It is a mystery. It's a mystery because in the Old Testament, you know what we don't read of in the Old Testament? We don't read of the prophets saw the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. We, we find them, they, they saw the Messiah, they lived for the Messiah, they, they, they saw his return. But what they did not understand and what they did not see is the, the uh, church age and the rapture of the church. There's no, they, they didn't understand that. That is a mystery, but that mystery is revealed. We understand that mystery. It's no longer a mystery to us because the Apostle Paul in John has revealed that mystery, and it's no longer the mystery. It's now facts because we can go to the Word of God in the New Testament to show us this event of the rapture of the church. Where do we find that? I'm glad you asked. Let's go to 1 Thessalonians chapter number 4. 1 Thessalonians chapter number 4. And this, these are, are good verses for you to mark down as you're, as you're studying this yourself, or, or maybe you're getting into conversations about events like this, which is great conversations to have. But we want to make sure that when we get into conversations about end times prophecy, that we use the word of God. We don't, well, I think I heard this one time. We want to know what the word of God has to say. So John, in chapter number four, what we just read, John hears a voice like a trumpet. And John is trumpeted from the earth. He is taken from the earth into heaven. Chapter number four, that's what we just read. That's the events of what John is seeing. Now, in 1 Thessalonians chapter four, beginning in verse 13, Paul is writing the church at Thessalonica. This church, when Paul was teaching and Paul was, was instructing the, the New Testament churches, one of the things that Paul spoke uh, uh, must, uh, much of is the return of the Lord Jesus Christ. He, he talked about it in 1 Corinthians. He talked about it in 1 Thessalonians. It's, it's not a secret. Paul was preparing the church for the fact that Jesus Christ was coming again. He's preparing them for, for, for the dead in Christ going to rise, and, and we that are alive and remain are going to caught up. We're going to see that here in 1 Thessalonians. But the church at Thessalonica, as Paul was teaching this doctrine of, uh, of the second coming of Jesus Christ, what happened was this, because Paul taught it this way, and the churches, the first century churches, believed it. They really believed that Jesus was coming in their lifetime. 
As the Apostle Paul is even writing of the return of Christ, you find where Paul oftentimes says, we and us and me. He's writing as if he in his life is going to be raptured out of this earth. Paul lived that way. And he's teaching the church at Thessalonica about this, the, uh, the return of Christ. The problem was this. Their, their, their church, their, their family members, their loved ones, they began to die. And they became concerned. Are they going to miss out now on the second coming of Christ? They understood, they thought they understood this, that, that you had to be alive when Jesus came in order to be taken out. And so when their family members and their loved ones began to die, they became concerned what's going to happen to them. And that's why Paul says this, but I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren. He's not calling them ignorant. He's saying, I don't want you to be living with something that's not true. I want you to know the facts. And what are the facts, brethren, concerning them which are asleep? Why was he saying that? Because they're concerned about the people that have died. And he says, I don't want you to be concerned, or I don't want you to be ignorant. I want you to know the facts about those that have passed on before us. And he goes on to say this, for what reason? That you sorrow not, even as others which have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. Paul is setting the record straight. Paul is saying this. He says, I'm going to tell you what's going to happen. The people that have died, the Christian, the saints that have put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ during this church age, they've died before Jesus has come. But I want you to understand something. If you believe that Jesus Christ died and rose again, then believe this, that those that are dead now are going to rise again at that last day. For this we say in verse 15, for this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain under the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them which are asleep. I love verse number 15. Paul is saying this, I'm not just giving you something, something false to put your comfort in. This is coming straight from the Lord. This is not something that the apostles have just come together and uh, uh, just so the people don't get upset, let's just tell them something and let's hope it's true. No, Paul says, this is from the word of the Lord. This is exactly what God would have you to know. Those which are alive and remain are going to be caught uh, at the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them which are asleep. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout. With the voice of the archangel and the trump of God. Just like John heard in Revelation uh, chapter number four, verse one. The heaven was opened. There was a voice as a trumpet. And what happens uh, in verse number 16? And with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. What is John, what's Paul saying? Paul's saying, there's going to come a time where we're going to be ushered out of this earth. It's going to be as quick as a twinkling of an eye, but when that trumpet sounds and heaven opens up, the dead in Christ, when they die, their soul is going to be in heaven. 
when that trumpet sounds, their body is going to rise from the earth and is going to be reunited with that soul that is in heaven. And we that are alive and remain, we are going to be transformed from this earth into heaven. We're going to be caught up in the clouds with Jesus Christ. And, and the Bible says, comfort one another with these words. This, Paul is speaking of, is the rapture of the church. When Jesus comes, we are going to have a, a heavenly homecoming. I, I thought of this this past week. I, I'll tell you, one of the most difficult funerals that you could go to is, is that of a child. And, and uh, boy, Pastor Oscar did a, a fabulous, fabulous job preaching the, the, uh, uh, the, the funeral service of, of Little Crew this past week. And, and as difficult as it was, he got up there and proclaimed the gospel of Jesus Christ. If you were there at that funeral, you heard the truth of the gospel. I mean, it was as plain as could be. And that little boy crew, there's going to be a, a heavenly homecoming one day. And so how do we, how, what, what, what's our response to this? The Bible says, comfort one another with these words. The fact that we are going to see our loved ones again, the fact that those that have gone on before us aren't going to stay in the ground. Those are going, they are going to rise again. The rapture of the church is an exciting thing. The rapture of the church is a homecoming of all of those that have gone on before us with those that are still alive on this earth. We are going to see our loved ones again at the rapture of the church. And Paul says, comfort one another with these words. We get raptured from this world. Or we get caught up from this world. Go with me, if you would, please, to 1 Corinthians as well. Here's another passage of scripture that I want you to, to see. I want you to mark in your notes, and I want you to be familiar with as the apostle Paul writes to the church at Corinth. In verses 51 and 52 of this chapter, chapter 15, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 51 and 52, I want you to put those in your notes. I want you to be familiar with these verses. Paul says this, behold, I show you a mystery. This is why I say the mystery of the rapture. He's going to reveal something. It was a mystery because no one knew. And now Paul is going to reveal this mystery. We shall not all sleep but we shall all be changed. Oh, this is such a wonderful verse. What's he speaking of? He's speaking of the rapture of the church. We're not all going to die. There are some that are going to meet Jesus Christ through death. And there's going to be some that if Jesus uh, comes during whatever generation, lifetime that is, they're going to meet him through the air, through rapture. He says, we're not all going to, to sleep, but we shall all be changed in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trump. For the trumpet shall sound and the dead shall be raised incorruptible and we shall be changed. What is Paul speaking of here? Paul is speaking of the rapture of the church. The, we are going to be changed. Our bodies, we're going to have new bodies. We're going to be just like Christ. We're going to be perfect. There's going to be no sin. There's going to be no disease. There's going to be no trouble. There's going to be no tears. There's going to be no, no uh, uh, sickness in heaven. We're going to have a new body when we get to heaven. We're all going to be changed. Whether you've gone on to death or you go through the rapture, we are all going to see Jesus. Jesus, when that trumpet sounds, 
The dead in Christ are going to rise. And they're going to reunite with their soul. And they're going to have a new body. And as we get raptured out of this world, we're going to have a new body. We're going to be with Jesus in heaven. This is Paul helping us understand. Paul uses this word mystery. But it's no longer a mystery to the New Testament church because this mystery has been revealed. It was a mystery in the Old Testament. The only way to know about the rapture is by studying the New Testament. That's how we understand it, by studying writings like 1 Corinthians or 1 Thessalonians or the book Revelation. That's where we understand this doctrine of the rapture of the church. The rapture of the church is a supernatural event. Now, this, and I, I, I love how Paul, go back to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. Because I'll be honest with you, it sounds a little crazy. You, you mean there's literally going to, trumpet's going to sound and the dead are going to come out of the ground and we're going to be raptured out? It sounds like a sci-fi movie. And it's interesting because Paul is going to address that. We read it, and I want to go back, and I want us to see what Paul says. Look again what he says in verse number 14 of chapter 4 of 1 Thessalonians. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again. How many believe that Jesus died and rose again? Paul is reminding them that we are putting our faith in something that is supernatural. Paul is reminding the church, this might sound far-fetched, but so does the fact that the Son of God came to this earth, lived a sinless life, went to the cross, bore our sins, was placed in the grave, dead, and three days later, he rose again from the dead. But you believe that, don't you? If you believe that Jesus Christ can rise again from the dead. You know what you can then believe? That you and I can rise from the dead. That you and I can be raptured out of this earth. Look what he says in verse number 14. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. This is why the resurrection of Jesus Christ is so important. Jesus Christ did not just die for our sins. He also rose again from the grave. And why is that so important that he's not still dead? Why is it so important that he's not in some grave someplace? Because if he is still dead, then we are dead forever. Why is it that the, the, uh, the, the, the high priest and, and, and the, the kingdoms of that day wanted to hide the fact that Jesus Christ rose again? Because if he's still in the grave, he has no power. If the God that we serve is still in the grave, then when we die, there's nothing he can do for us. Why do we take Easter and, 
in, in, and uh, uh, celebrate a, a resurrection service and, and celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Why is that so important to us as believers? It's so important to us as believers because if we believe that Jesus Christ can die and he can be placed in a grave, but the Spirit of God has the victory over death, has the victory over hell, and that three days later, God with all his power and all his glory can say to his son, rise again, come up out of that grave, and Jesus Jesus Christ can walk out of that grave on the third day, then there's nothing that's going to prevent him from doing it for you and for me. Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ has the power to call us home because of the power he had to rise again from the dead. You see, the resurrection of Jesus Christ is important to us because if he can be raised from the dead, so can you and I. And so if you believe Jesus died, then the rapture of the church is not far-fetched. So we see, we see the first thing this morning, we see this, we see this event, the mystery of the rapture of the church. The second thing I want you to see, in ver- go back to Revelation chapter 4, verse number 4, is this understanding of who's going to be there. Then round about the throne were four and twenty seats. And upon the seats I saw four and twenty elders sitting, clothed in white raiment, and they had on their heads crowns of gold. Now, as John is looking, remember he's seeing into the future. As John is raptured into heaven and he's seeing the throne room of heaven, what John notices is this. He notices these 24 elders how they're clothed and what they're wearing. They're wearing a crown of gold. They're, they're ra- wearing raiment of white. And there's 24 sitting there and they are worshiping the Lord Jesus Christ. These are the, the dead in Christ. Paul or John sees them as 24 elders. Now, remember when we, several, several weeks ago, we talked about the numbers, and I, I went through and what different numbers were. Remember 12 is God's governmental number. Remember four is Earth's number, and three is the, the um, divine number. What, what's interesting in that, if you take four, which is Earth's number, and three, which is the divine number, and you multiply those, you get what? 12. And these 12, is, there's 24. Why is there 24. Why is there 24? These are not angels. Look with me in Revelation 5.11. The Bible says this, And I beheld, and I heard the voice of many angels round about the throne, and the beast, and what? The elders. Well, in verse number, uh, some would say this. Well, what he's seeing are angels in heaven, these 24 angels. Well, they can't be angels because in Revelation chapter 5.11, there's angels there, there's the beasts there, and there's the elders there that he sees in chapter number 4. So those elders are something different than angels. The, these elders aren't just symbolic of something because look with me in chapter 5, verse number 5. And one of the elders saith unto me, Weep not. Behold, the Lord of the tribe of the Judah, the root of David, hath prevailed to open the book and to loose the seven seals thereof. He's having a conversation with one of these elders. These elders can speak. These elders can think. These elders are calming his fears. They can talk. 
So these elders are real. They're not angels. They're not just some, something symbolic in heaven um, that, that they're, they're not real. They represent something. Elders are representatives of God's people. Now, I have, um, I have gone to different places, and, and uh, when I'll say to someone as this, I, I'm the pastor of Monclova Road Baptist Church. I'm not Monclova Road Baptist Church. We are. But when I go and I represent our church as an elder of our church, I'm representing all of us. An elder is a representative of God's people. These elders here are representations of something. In heaven, in heaven, there is 12 gates in the, in the New Jerusalem. You know what those 12 gates are, are named after? They're named after each one of the 12 tribes, the 12 tribes of, of the Old Testament. You say, well, there's 24 elders. There's also another number 12 that's very important for us to understand, and that's the foundations of the city. And the foundations of this new city have the names of 12 apostles. So the, 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 the gates are 12, 12 uh, uh, patriarchs or 12 Old Testament tribes. The 12 foundations are 12 apostles. What do those 12 represent? The 12 of the Old Testament, the 12 tribes represent all the saints of the Old Testament. The 12 apostles represent all of the, all of the saints during the New Testament age. You bring those 12 and 12 together, and what do you have? You have 24 representatives, representatives or elders representing all of what? The saints from the Old Testament that looked to the cross and the saints from the New Testament that looked to the cross for salvation. They're representatives. So when John went to heaven, gathered around the throne room, wasn't just 24 people. What he's saying is this, as I got into heaven and I saw these representatives, they were representing all the saints of the Old Testament and all the saints of the New Testament, and they were gathered around the throne of God. These 24 represent all of the saints from the Old Testament and New Testament. As John looked into heaven as the raptured up, guess what was raptured up? All the saints, all those that have gone on before us and all those that are alive during the New Testament, he is seeing that representation in heaven. Those 24 elders are the 24, 12 tribes and 12 apostles representing all of those that are going to be gathered around the throne. Not only does he see the representation of the Old Testament and the New Testament there in heaven, the Bible also tells us this, that they are clothed in white raiment. What is the significance of this? The white raiment, would you mark this someplace? It represents the righteousness we have in Christ. It represents the righteousness we have in Christ. You say, oh, you're just making that up. No, go with me to Revelation chapter 19. Go with me, Revelation chapter 19, in verse number 8. In verse number, chapter 19, verse number 8, And to her was granted that she should be arrayed in fine linen, clean and white, for the fine linen is the righteousness of the saints. 
The saints, those that we find throughout the Old Testament that are arrayed in white raiment, you know what we find that they are? They're the ones that are arrayed in righteousness. They're saints arrayed in righteousness. Their righteousness is not in themselves. The righteousness is not in their good works. Their righteousness is not in the things that they have done. The righteousness is in Christ Jesus. That he is holy and that he is righteous and that he is just. And when we get to heaven, he, we see him face to face. We have a new body. We are, we are uh, uh, changed in a twinkling of an eye. We are like Christ and we are clothed in righteousness, clothed in that white remnant. So when we see these elders clothed in white remnant, what does that say? These are ones that are there because of Jesus Christ. You know what this tells me? You can't get to heaven outside of Jesus Christ. First of all, Jesus Christ is the only one that has been resurrected from the dead. Second of all, only Jesus Christ is righteous and holy and just. You don't go to heaven because you are a good person. You don't go to heaven because you're a religious person. You go to heaven because you are found in Christ in his righteousness. That is that white raiment. Now, you say, what is this crowns of gold? Look with me in verse number four. He also doesn't just say clothed in white raiment. He says, and they had on their heads crowns of gold. Crowns of gold. These crowns of gold gold are crowns that we've received at the judgment seat of Christ. Now, this to me is evidence that the, the church is ushered out or raptured out or caught up out of the, uh, into heaven, out of, off of this earth before the tribulation takes place. You say, why is that? Because John sees us wearing crowns of gold. This is evidence of the timing of the rapture in the judgment seat of Christ. What John is seeing is the saints, we see these, these 24 elders, they're representations of all the saints, Old Testament, New Testament. They're clothed in fine linen, that's clothed in in the righteousness of Christ. And they're wearing these crowns. These crowns are crowns that we receive at the judgment seat of Christ. John is seeing this this take place before the tribulation takes place. You say, why is that important? because those crowns could not have been worn unless we have been given them at the judgment seat of Christ. These crowns, John is seeing the saints in heaven wearing these crowns before we get into the study of the book of, or the, the, the uh, end time prophecy of the tribulation. This is further evidence in my mind and in my study that the, the rapture of the church takes place first before the tribulation takes place here on the earth. Look with me, if you would, please, and I'm done. Luke chapter 17. We're not done. We'll just push it up till next week. Um, We've got a long ways to go. Luke chapter number 17. Are you with me this morning? Luke chapter number 17. The Bible says this, Jesus is speaking, and he says in verse number 34, I tell you in the night there shall be two men in one bed. That was not going to be Friday night because there was only one man in the bed because their sons were all up with the staff watching them 
around the campfire. <laughs> I tell you, in, the one, in that night there shall be two men in one bed. The one shall be taken, the other shall be left. Two women shall be grinding, working in the fields, uh, grinding the wheat. Uh, the one shall be taken and the other left. Two men shall be in the field. The one shall be taken and the other left. And they answered and said unto him, Where, Lord? And he said unto them, Wheresoever the body is, thither will the eagles be gathering, gathered together. Jesus is prophesying of his coming. He's prophesying of, of the rapture. Jesus is coming. And where Jesus, look with me in verse number 37, wheresoever the body is, thither will the eagles be gathered together. What is he saying there? Jesus will be gathering together. All of the saints are going to be gathered together. The ones that have gone before us, that are dead, and the ones that are alive and remain, they're going to be gathered together in the air. These are, are who are saved, and they're who are uh, uh there's a, there's a big difference between the, those that are saved and those that are lost. And in chapter number 17, Jesus is making that, that difference. He is saying this, those that know me as my Savior, I'm going to gather them together as an eagle. But those that do not know him are going to be left behind. You see, there's really only two things that divide everyone here in this room and every human being living today. And it's not the color of your skin. It's not the amount of money that you have. It, it, it's not where you were born. Actually, the one thing that's the most important thing that is different from everyone in this room or everyone here on this earth is where you're going to spend eternity. Because when, when the rapture takes place, those that are found in Christ are gonna be taken to heaven. But those that are going to be left are going to be those that do not know Jesus Christ. And this church is what ought to motivate us till Jesus Christ comes. Because we get the understanding here as Jesus is speaking, these are people that knew each other. There's two people in the bed, only one is taken. There's two people working, only one is taken. There's two people in the field and only one is taken. You see, so often when we think about this, we think about the Lord Jesus Christ coming and lost people and saved people. And sometimes we forget that there's lost people that you and I know. And if they do not know Jesus Christ when this time of the rapture comes, they're going to be left behind. If you're sitting here today and you have never trusted Jesus Christ, I'm not asking you if you're religious. I'm not asking you if you've ever been baptized. I'm not asking you if you're a good person or if you give money. If you, if you're, you could be the kindest person in all the world, but if you are not found in Christ, when Jesus Christ comes again, you will not be taken. Say, so how am I found in Christ? For whosoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. You see, this is some of the most dangerous teachings that a church can save you, that a denomination can save you, 
that good works can save you. You see, the devil would be fine having you believe all those things because you can believe all those things and believe all those things sincerely. And when the time comes, you'll be left behind. How do I, how do I go when Jesus calls us home? I have to be part of his bride. I have to know that I am part of the family of God. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. If you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. You see, this is where all of the religion we need to set aside. All the things that maybe we've been taught from a child and grew up with thinking needs to be set aside, and we need to look at the Bible face to face, and what does the Bible have to say? One of the things that we find in the book of Revelation is this, only those who are found in Christ will spend eternity in heaven with Jesus Christ. This is the wonderful story of the gospel. God doesn't choose yes or no. Whosoever calls upon the name of the Lord. Here at our church, we believe in the whosoever will. What does that mean? It means this, God loves you and God died, sent his son to die for you. He's not a respecter of persons. Every single person here can put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ and have this glorious reunion in heaven because of what Jesus Christ has done. There's no person too bad. There's no person too far gone. There's no person coming from the wrong family. There's no person with the wrong color of skin. There's no person with the wrong size of bank account. None of those things matter. Jesus died for you. And if you will take what he did upon the cross, receive him as your savior, believe that you're a sinner, repent of your sin, turn from your sin, and turn to Jesus Christ and receive him as your savior, the Bible says this, you're saved. God no longer sees you, he sees his son. He no longer sees your sin, he sees the precious blood of Jesus Christ that washes you as white as snow. And so as we study this book of Revelation, one thing I remember saying from the beginning, and I'll say it till the end, this is all about Jesus. You know what we get through the rapture of the church? Jesus saves. And he's coming again for his child. You just finished listening to a message from the preaching ministry at Monclova Road Baptist Church. If it was a help to you, make sure that you let somebody know about it. If you need help beyond this message, make sure that you follow us on Instagram or Facebook or check out our website, monclovabaptist.org. And we would love to connect with you there and help you with anything that you might need. Have a great week and we'll see you next time on the Monclova Baptist Church Podcast.